Who's doing the thing? You are. Me? Yeah. Yeah, I talked the whole time. You might as well. And I did it last week and the week before. <laughs> All right, we got to get, well, okay. You got And you, and you got to spice it up on the spot, so. Do, okay. So. All right. Yeah, so come up with like a really cool way to read it this week. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I mean, what does that mean, though? Spice it up. What do you mean? Just spice it up. Spice Put a little up. panache spice on it. Up. Yeah. But what does that mean? Just get a little, little, little pizzazz. Put a little flavor on it. Yeah. What, yeah. what kind of what? I need a direction. Salt and vinegar. A little I salt need and direction. Vinegar. You guys directed movies. You got to give me some. <laughs> what's my motivation here? Reading this. Well, we're gonna have to do ninety takes to make, get it right. Make it smart and sexy. Yeah. And then we'll just we'll just we'll just do it a bunch of times, and then we'll just find the best one. Right. Yeah. That's how we. That's the best we of each it. word. Yeah. We don't got time to do that. I'll tell you the advice we always gave was faster and more intense. Yeah. That's some, oh, okay. <laughs> Hi. Hey, welcome to our old podcast, Legends of Philadelphia. We're your hosts. I'm Brian Bierman on engineering duties. <laughs> See, I would, you're asking me to read the script and then also do it faster and sexier and also rewrite it. Yeah. Because it's, I, I didn't say I, rewrite I it. it. I just, I just, said, I just said, said spice it up. I just said spice it up. Put a little flavor on it. Hi. Welcome. No, it's hey. <laughs> hey, welcome to our old podcast, Legends of Philadelphia. We're your hosts. This is Johnny Zito, hey. and this is his business partner and his best friend, Tony Trope. And me on engineering duties is me is Brian Bierman. You might be asking, what makes these guys experts? Well, in addition to being Philadelphia natives, Tony Trove and Zito have a little t-shirt business, South Fellini, that they focus on Philly culture and in-jokes. Lots of times customers will ask them, and me, I work there sometimes, you know, What's the deal with toy and tiles? Or they want to know what the word John means. So we decided to start this podcast as an easy explainer for new Philadelphians and a refresher for the old heads. The city fascinates and excites us. So we're hoping to share that with you. That was very, great. That was the best one yet. Very emphatic. That was the best yes. one yet. Copy very paste. emphatic. There we go. Copy paste. Copy paste. Copy paste. Beautiful. Good job. Now, can, can, see, if you, if, if, if everybody's like, oh, that, that wasn't very good. Well, then you can, re- we ask people to read it. <laughs> no, stop, nobody did stop. it. You have no, to. I'm cutting a promo on, on our audience. Uh, Only uh, Rachel uh, had, had the, had the plums to, to send in her own <laughs> intro. <laughs> nobody else did nothing. That's a good point. I guess, I, I, I mean, I don't know. Kelly, I don't leave a review. <laughs> <laughs> one guy wrote that he left a review and he said it that. in fact did not kill me yeah thank you for everybody wrote reviews i know i just i, wrote every- <laughs> I berated you but now i'm 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 thanking you also uh so i guess in case this is anybody's first time joining us they're just really interested in what we're going to talk about today <laughs> they, if so- it is they already turned it off then they already turned it off. <laughs> like they, they terrible even, introduction. They can't even do the intro right. Like I'm not what listening is this, this for an hour. What is this? How is, what is, how is this a history podcast? They talk about Doritos uh. and CBS. <laughs> <laughs> well, how would they know that if they if they, if they if that's their first time? Because I'm sure people are like, well, these I'll guys are another, I'll I'll give it another shot. <laughs> Well, I feel like sometimes people find us through the whatever it is that we're talking about, like searching, like when we had Edgar Allan Poe as a su- subject, as a people guest. search out Poe. Yeah, yeah. as a guest. That was a big guest <laughs> for us. <laughs> that was huge. So approachable, though. What a downer. <laughs> <laughs> 
Uh, well, we are South Fellini. You can find us at southfellini.com. Uh, we're not quite open for business yet, but if you place an order online, you can come by and we'll pass it to you through a plexiglass shield. There we go. Uh, <laughs> when, when we're not doing that, we, uh, we record this history podcast uh, from the safety of our homes, uh, far socially distanced from one another. Yeah. With the only microphones available. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes just a tin can and a string. Yep. Mm-hmm. An old timey wax thing. Yeah. <laughs> right. Everything's yeah. recorded on wax cylinders. Yes. An old man gave me a gave me a dollar to to podcast into this tin can. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's making millions now. Yeah, he's 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 making money. When when we first set all of this up, we were recording in our storage space in our office or whatever, and it was real easy to just like pop the microphones down, turn on the mixer, and just go to work. And we recorded like the first four episodes that way, or five episodes that way, and then everything since then has been just hodgepodge together. Every time and we get it to where like, all right, now we know what we're doing, then something else happened. Like we, yeah. we it took us five yeah. episodes to be like, all right, the levels are good. Well, not really because <laughs> they weren't, but. Uh, we've that part we fig- I figured out. Also, I was gonna wait till the errors and omissions episode trove, but I, you told me that someone complained about the volume on uh, on Reddit, and that's yeah. fair because <laughs> that's fair because it was it was low, but I figured it out. But then I read the thing, and it's and and you buried me. You were like, "Oh, I'll tell Brian." As if, yeah, like, what am I gonna do? He knows. <laughs> Threw you right under the bus. Yes, yeah. on Reddit. I don't mix it. I don't mix it. A couple times you did, and those were the those were the ones people were complaining about. <laughs> and they were called fan faves, all right? Classics. <laughs> Joe's like, I made the classics. I made the cla- yeah, I make the hits. Every time something messes up, that's, I, that's I wrote "Hey Jude," and you wrote "Octopus's, Octopus's Garden." Garden. <laughs> we both. Both immediately. Octopus. Everybody oh. knows what the worst song is. The worst Beatles song is. It's not the worst, but it's the lowest effort. It's just the lowest effort. <laughs> <clears throat> no offense. Just it's one of my favorites. Oh, I, I had Ringo here. He was about to. He was. He just walked out. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks. Sorry. Remember, that was a big get to. Yep. Mm-hmm. The Beatles reunion is ruined. Beatles. <laughs> I think it was ruined a long time ago. <laughs> We were gonna we were gonna find out if Paul does like tasty cakes. Yeah. <laughs> what is his favorite tasty cake? Yeah. <laughs> I, I There's clues pop. about it on, on the White Album. On the White Album, that, it, that, it's, it that it's candy cakes. If you play it backwards, <laughs> candy, candy cakes. cakes. Candy cakes. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so stupid. Oh, speaking of, what? I was gonna do this off the air, but I forgot. So I got. Uh, uh, some a box of rare tasty cakes for each of you. S'mores tasty cakes. Oh, oh thank you. Yeah, thanks. S'mores. Thank you. I never had these. They're seasonal. It says. I I just found them this week as well. Season. It is mar- marshmallow season. Yeah. It's marshmallow they season. Put them over yeah. the grill. They, dude. they grow the plumpest in, in the summertime. The plumpest. <laughs> <laughs> Today's topic or whatever. Speaking of things that uh, talking about things that. Um, You'd normally be doing in the summertime, but are not. I uh, I would have been on my honeymoon right now. Our plan was oh, oh, yes. that's that's sad. <laughs> yeah, 
<laughs> and that'll probably never happen now because who's going to go on a cruise uh, after all of this? Uh, um, God. Yeah. Where, where could you, you go? That, where could you go on a cruise that you coronavirus wouldn't be? Like an Ant- Antarctica or something? <laughs> you have to sail off the edge of the earth. Yeah. I was supposed to watch your dog. You were. You were going to watch my dog. I was going to go away. The, the plan was to go on a trip to Panama. We were going to sail through the Panama Canal and then come back uh, the same way. I was going to take two trips through the Panama Canal. But uh, They say it changes people. I, <laughs> I was looking forward <laughs> maybe, to that. Maybe for, for, the, for the better or for the worse. I don't know. But uh, but maybe it's, for, maybe it's, it's good that you didn't do that. Yeah. Well, it's definitely it's definitely good I didn't do it. I, I I just but since we're not but since that's not happening, I was hoping that we could chat this week about the most seaworthy vessels on the Delaware River. Uh, the waterway that separates Philly and Jersey is home to tugboats, garbage scales, private yachts, oil tankers, and more. However, uh, today we're going to focus on three very specific boats. Uh, so hoist the sails, shovel the more coal into the furnace, and grab a paddle because we're going to take a deep dive into the most stationary boats on Delaware. On the Delaware River. Wow. You could, do, you could write copy for the local news. Dude. Yeah. That was, that was. Thank you. you <laughs> I could hear, Thank I could hear Alicia Lane saying those words. That was, that is that a huge Lane. compliment. Wow. <laughs> Larry Menti. I can hear Larry Menti reading those yeah, words yeah, from Alicia Lane's like, emails. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> every time, uh, every time, I think it's a legal thing that every time there's a story about a cat, they have to be like, and that was perfect. And then they laugh. <laughs> then they laugh about how bad it was. And it's just like, why you got to do this every time? Then, what? Like, just you don't do it. They lo- Nobody wants they this. It. Nobody gets they a kick out it. of this. Sinclair Media puts it on the teleprompter. And You're better than this, Yuki it. Washington. <laughs> you are. He really like, is. With a, Mike Myers has a baby. Yeah, baby. <laughs> it's the powers. <laughs> it still works, dude. People still, still love it. Yes. So was a hit. So was a hit. Was it 25 years later, They're newscasters not... are still making Austin Powers references. Yeah. And Borat's not going away either. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Borat's making a comeback. Yeah. <laughs> Zito, can I watch your dog still? Can you just stay upstairs for like a couple days? <laughs> My dog is sick of me. I might just send her your way to hang out with you. Okay. She's bored of everything I have to say. All right. We've been hanging out for 110 days straight now. I'm coming over. I, I miss I miss Ziggy's ears. like velvet like velvet (laughs) um so i I, first up today we're going to talk about speaking of watching my dog beerman uh i appreciate it uh but uh we're going to talk about the boat i was married on actually uh the mushaloo uh it is the old clipper ship turned restaurant parked around uh lombard and delaware avenue um it's uh you can't miss it when you drive by it's uh the only old-fashioned sailboat ye old timey uh, boat ye old timey boat parked mm-hmm. in the delaware that's the call do you guys have you guys ever been to the mushaloo i mean i i was married there and trove was my officiant for the my wedding so i know he has but there you go captain for the yeah, day I, 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 I was very excited to go but i think my uh invitation got lost or something uh, uh, some, i knew you're gonna bring it up here work friends I, not some uh, yeah, IR, yeah. irl friends and i and and i believe that time i was watching your dog too so there's a you did there's a uh, pattern here why wasn't the dog invited why wasn't there's a pattern there? here even on our fr- quote friendship i'm still working for you so I knew you were going to bring it up. I don't have a good answer other than the invites no, went out care. before you before we started hanging out. <laughs> before we knew we could <laughs> use you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like, I need someone to watch this dog. Uh, I worked the store that day. It was fun. 
Yeah. And, and um, I got to play with your dog, so I didn't care. Yeah, and people should know that Brian also, he, he is an expert dog whisperer. He, uh, he also specializes in cats. Yeah, so yeah, if, you, if, if anyone needs me to watch their dog or cat, Hit me up. No iguanas, though. That's a I'm 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 dead set on that. That's a deal breaker. They just look at you weird. I don't like them. You can't like see their eyes. It's it's, yeah. it's just judgmental. Yeah. Um, so the Mushalu <laughs> for that's the song. Oh so, yeah, right? old boats. <laughs> Segwaying from uh, creepy iguanas, uh, the Mushalu is the four-masted windjammer ship built by William Hamilton and Company at Port Glasgow, Glasgow in Scotland in 1904. It is the largest remaining boat of its kind. She is currently f- a floating restaurant docked at Penn's Landing, uh, adjacent to the museum ships USS Olympia and the USS Bakuna. That's the steam battleship and the, the submarine that are parked right next door. You guys ever been Ooh. on them? They're pretty cool. No. Ba- SS Batacuna, right? That's the song? Yep. Uh, that's where the song comes from. Mm-hmm. Really? Mm-hmm. Yeah. No. <laughs> oh. No, this is Bakuna. Barracuda? SS Barracuda? Ba- yeah. Heart? That heart, My heart. yeah. Well, speaking of weird names, originally <laughs> um, uh, the Mushalu was named Kurt. Uh, after, after Captain Doc- Kurt. After Captain Kurt. <laughs> <laughs> originally named Kurt after Dr. Kurt uh, Seamers, Seimers, uh, Director General and President of the Hamburg Shipping Company, uh, GHJ Seimers & Co. She was, along with her sister ship, Hans, one of the last four masted wind jammers launched. I just those are very common people names for a boat. Like yeah, it's Kurt. Hans. What's your boat's name? Kurt. 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 <laughs> it's not even a pun. What are you doing, buddy? Yeah. Hans. Yeah. What's wind jammer mean? Uh, that's just the, the style of ship that it is. Like, there was uh, there was an old um, video game where you threw frisbees and it was called wind jammers. Hmm. Well, these are these are <laughs> sailboats. They uh, I guess it has something to do with. It's probably There's an anime the called Airbender. <laughs> <laughs> We're trying to very good. We're, we're, we're trying to relate it to what people uh, to, to modern things. Modern. We're, things. Yeah, they're trying to help you understand. <laughs> um, uh, she was constructed uh, to be used in the nitrate trade. She was shipping nitrate, and she cost thirty-six thousand pounds when she was built. Whoa. Uh, her mass. Yeah. Not. Not. I mean, I, I imagine that was a lot back then. But the idea of being able to buy a giant. What year boat was this? For, this was 1908. All right, let's. Uh, I'll look. Keep no, 19, I'll look 1904. Up, I'll look up how 19, much that 1904. Was for in, in American real dollars. Okay. Ameros, yeah. So uh, her first master was Captain Christian Schutt, followed by Captain Wolfgang H.G. Toynison. And these are these are some these are some. That's that is a that's a that's a ship captain name, you know. Yeah, these. Are, <laughs> you're gonna be a ship captain if your name is. Tunisian. It has the it's T O and it has the umlauts over the O. Or umlauts, what, um, yeah. Umlauts. So, so that's like very distinctive uh, for a captain. Uh, they made quick voyages to they made uh, quick voyages from Newcastle, Australia, to Valparaiso with a cargo of coal in 31 days. So apparently this is like a record or whatever. They 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 made this trip uh, when they first made this trip. They were the fastest. Uh, uh, ship to do it, and they did it repeatedly uh, in, in under 31 days, 31 in uh, in around 31 days, and that's as fast as anyone could do it at the time. Beat 30, that. 36,000 pounds in 1908 is worth 4,359,229 pounds and 89 pence. Is that what they say? 
Yes. It's a lot of money. But only four million, really? That boat only costs four million. Do you think you could get a a four masted or a three masted wind jammer built for four million dollars? For a wind jammer? No, not today. <laughs> not nowadays. Not by nowadays prices. <laughs> okay. Between nineteen oh four. That's a good deal for a wind jammer. That's. I think that's a good deal. What can I do to make you sail off in this wind jammer? What can I put do to put you in this wind jammer today? <laughs> With you spaghetti, you can fit in this wind jammer. <laughs> <laughs> I'm listening. I'm listening. I'll walk right now, buddy. <laughs> Between 1904 and 1914, under German ownership, Kurt sailed coal from Wales to South America, nitrate from Chile to Germany, coal from Australia to Chile, and coke from patent fuel to Germany. What kind of coke? Uh, uh, coke like coal, I guess. Uh, not like not like cocaine, but like... Well, I, you could buy the, uh, th- that was big in the day. So. It was, but I don't... I think that in 1904... I guess it's still it's big. Still, <laughs> it's very popular, beer. Man. Never went out of style. Cherry coke is really popular. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, what is that? Yeah, I have no idea. Uh, Coke is like the um, Coke is like the, I don't know if it's the 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 leftover of coal or it's a byproduct of of coal, oh. but it's it's something that it's like part of like fuel. It was like it's like for for lamps and for engines and things like that. Uh, I don't know. Uh, I, I don't know much about it other than that. I looked it up just so I could answer that much. Oh, okay. Fair <laughs> enough. Good enough. That's, um, actually, the, I, another aside, let's talk about cartoons for a second. But the first time I heard it uh, in passing was uh, on the Venture Brothers. Uh, it's, in, it's in some episode mm. uh, where they also make the same jokes we're making about Coke and cocaine. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's right there. Sense. So it's, it's, a, yeah, it's a softball. It's, yeah. So at the outbreak of World War I in 1914, Kurt was sailed to Argon, the state, under the command of Captain Tonizen. Uh, then laid up in Astoria until being seized when the United States entered the war in 1917. Uh, she was first renamed, so when she entered the war, Kurt was renamed Dreadnought, which uh, means uh, one who fears nothing. Uh, pretty which badass. Is a pretty badass name. It's way cooler than Kurt. Yeah, I'll say. <laughs> uh, then because sorry there was to all the Kurt's already... out there. Yeah, sorry, Kurt, <laughs> Kurt Angle. Yeah, I'm, I'm done listening to this. There, yeah, Signed all the Kurt's. Kurt. 5% of people, Kurt's, all turned off. So she was renamed Dreadnought. Uh, then, because there was already a ship sailing under the name Dreadnought in the U.S. Uh, war effort, she was renamed the Mushalu, which had the same meaning in Seneca. Uh, the Seneca language is one of the six nations of the Iroquois League. Uh, or rather, Seneca is one of the six nations of the Iroquois League, so it's an Iroquois language. Uh, and that's where the word Mushalu comes from. And it was rechristened by the First Lady of the United States and the wife of President Woodrow Wilson, Edith Wilson. And Edith Wilson is kind of the first lady president because her husband had a stroke and she pretty much ran the country for the last two years of his, of his term. So between 1917 and 1920, the Mushalu was owned by the U.S. Shipping Board and carried wool and chrome between North America, Manila, and Australia. All right. Yeah, pretty, uh, pretty storied history right yeah. there. Um, All right, but that's how it. she got her name. I always, I, that's how she got her name. I guess I never really thought about it uh, or where it came from. I always assumed it was somebody's name because so many boats are just named after people. Bob Mushalu. Bob Mushalu. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like the guy who would sell you a windjammer back in the day. <laughs> Come on down to Bob Mushalu's. We got windjammers, dreadnoughts, anything you need. 
Is Bob Mushalu the best boy I right. <laughs> It was a long walk, but I'm I'm glad we got there. Yeah. All right, we can just wrap it up now, dude. <laughs> Play the music. <laughs> From 1920 to 1935, Mushalu was in various private hands based in San Francisco. From 1920 to 1922, it was owned by the Mushalu Navigation Co. Uh, San Francisco in 1922, in San Francisco in 1922, it was sold to James Tyson of San Francisco. Uh, it spent a lot of time in San Francisco. In 1922, it was repurchased by Charles Nelson. Riley. <laughs> Riley. Charles Nelson Riley. No, it was not. It was, it was just purchased by Charles Nelson. Oh. No relation. <laughs> Uh, the big four-masted uh, ship ran the in the timber trade along the U.S. West Coast to Australia and South Africa from 1920 to 1928. Uh, after her last uh, timber run to Melbourne and Geelong, Australia, in 1928, she was laid up in Los Angeles. Later on, she was kept in places in or near Seattle, Washington, uh, Lake the Union, Winslow on the Puget Sound, and Esquimalt in British Columbia, Canada. Uh, so she's just kind of bummed around then after the war. She got uh, around, and, is what you're saying. Yeah, yeah. It looks like she was passed from from owner to owner. <laughs> okay, were like, that is, you know, we're not doing two life crew anymore, dude. You gotta, no, no, I didn't. You gotta, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta <laughs> we, we gotta clean it up. I, I mean to say, it doesn't sound like anybody in the early 1920s to like 1935. It doesn't seem like she was doing much shipping uh, like she was before. Occasionally, she'd fall into the hands of somebody who was who was moving timber or something, but. For the most part, she just kind of like sat in different docks uh, being owned by different people who were trying to figure out what to do with her. Okay. <laughs> in 1935, the Mushalu was bought for $12,000 by Gustav Eriksson. Uh, mm. At the end of... Ni- That's a fun name to say. I encourage everyone to say it. <laughs> at, the end, at the end of 1938, the ship left Belfast for Port Lincoln and Port Victoria in South Australia under, command, under the command of Captain Michael Shorgen and uh, Shodron. Uh, man, a lot of these, these are like Norwegian or Finnish names. They're like hard to pronounce, and they all have umlauts somewhere. Like, this G has an umlaut. How did that happen? <laughs> this umlaut's got an umlaut. <laughs> <laughs> uh, our, our, our Finnish audience is going to be very upset. Uh, this, is, this is pathetic. <sighs> they have, they're, like, they're like, they've got the best country in the world right now. They have to like just chill out and, and take it with some grace. Take the friendly ribbing with some grace. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Let America have this. We have so yeah. little right now. Except coronavirus. <laughs> Plenty of it. Uh, <laughs> so the Mushlu arrived in Queenstown on June 10th, 1939, after 91 days at sea, winning the very last race of its square-rigged sailing, sailing ships, uh, excuse me, winning the very last race of square-rigged sailing ships between Australia and Europe. So for its last big, you know, uh, uh, run, it did, a, it did this race, and it won. Went on on top. <clears throat> 91 days. Yep. I mean, a 91-day race doesn't feel like a race, but it's like around the world in 80 days kind of stuff, I guess. Hey, if you get the time, I bet it's really fun. <laughs> well, uh, the Mushalu was made famous by the books of Eric Newby. At the age of 19, he apprenticed aboard the Mushalu, joining the ship in Belfast in 1938 and sailing to Port Lincoln in Australia with a load of ballast stone in 82 days. It was a good, idyllic uh, journey for a windjammer. Uh, the Mushalu took uh, 4,875 tons of bagged grain on board in Port Victoria and began her return voyage to Ireland in the spring of 1939. She reached her destination in 91 days, a faster passage than, had, uh, than any of the other sailing ships making similar passages that year. 
during the entire voyage, Newbie took uh, part in all the work required to maintain the ship, such as constant chipping of rust, painting and polishing brass and copper, and overhauling and sanding and running rigging, probably swabbing the poop deck as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, was he the only guy on the, on the whole boat? No, no. It was a crew of, it says it in here somewhere, 28. It's a crew of 28. But he was the he was a new recruit, and so he would have to do all of the yeah, new yeah, recruit yeah, work. Yeah, yeah, I don't know if they called them that back then, but uh, they, what do they call them? Greenhorns. I don't know if you ever watch uh, uh, Deadliest Catch or whatever. But the new guy on the boat is always a greenhorn. You got to clean the guts. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So uh, during the entire voyage, he was taking part in all of the day to day tasks required to sail the ship, uh, such as changing from fair weather sails uh, to storm sails, then back again uh, as storms arose and abated. Uh, the crew at the time was predominantly Finnish and Swedish. Uh, the nationality was a source of friction among them throughout the voyage because, as we all know, the Finnish and the Swedish beef. Uh, it's a, it's a rivalry, rivalry as all this time. Yeah. <laughs> Who's got the best meatballs? <laughs> Which Who one's the colder? grossest fish? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, the journey was documented in Newbie's books, uh, The Last Grain Race, 1956, and Learning the Ropes, an apprentice <laughs> in the last of the wind jammers. If, if, if I was in a bookstore and I saw that, I'd be like, I would. No, there's nothing about that that makes me want to read that book. I'm sorry. Hopefully, Not the, the pun the, of learning the ropes, and it's literally learning the ropes? No, The Last Grain Race? <laughs> oh, The Last Grain Race. Oh. Well, you know what's interesting here? It says... Um, the journey was documented in Newbie's book, The Last Grain Race, 1956, and Learning the Ropes, an apprentice in The Last of the Windjammers, 1999. Oh. I guess he wrote both of them, but 1999 is like, that's, I mean, that's fairly recent. I guess I expected it to be closer to the original was publication Was he still date. alive, or was it like an, an I, old I, journal they found? I don't know. I'd have to look him up real quick. Uh, yeah, who was his name? Eric Newbie. <laughs> <laughs> Eric Newbie. <laughs> 2006. Oh, oh, he, he, died, oh okay. he died in 2006. One of his last works. Yeah. So the title of the former book, uh, The Last Grain Race, refers to the last grain race uh, before the outbreak of World War II. Uh, the one we talked about earlier that it won. Uh, uh, 91 days. The, yeah, set that speed record. Uh, the latter contains more than 150 photographs Newbie took while on board. So I guess it's more of a picture book. He was old, and he was like, "Let's get all now that, uh, you know, now now that I uh, I, I did all the sailing, I'm going to cash in with a picture book." Yeah. <laughs> These kids don't want to read anymore. Yeah, who reads? Who reads? Uh, <laughs> I'm having trouble today. Uh, the Mushalu, like all grain ships, was lightly manned during Newbie's time on the ship. The total crew numbered only 28, including four officers, the cook. Uh, the steward, and eight sailors in each of the port and starboard watches. Routine tasks such as wearing the ship uh, required every crew member to be involved, meaning lost he lost sleep for the free watch, meaning lost sleep for the free watch. I don't know what any of this means. It's all like sailor talk. <laughs> <laughs> what is a free watch? Routine tasks such What's as wearing the guy? ship. <laughs> I know. Where's the fun stuff? Uh, routine tasks such as wearing the ship required every crew member to be involved, meaning lost sleep for the free watch. I don't know. Uh, if a sailor became... Someone will tell us. <laughs> yeah, if you're a sailor, please Some old, uh, so like old, the, from the old man in the sea will, 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 like, <laughs> will yell at us. He's yelling at his podcast right now. Why do I even listen to this podcast? Yeah. 
Um, if a sailor became ill or injured, chances were slim that he would receive uh, treatment ashore, especially mm. since the Mushalu made no stops between Europe and Australia during Nubia's voyage. God, when a man sucks. like Nubia, yeah, right, uh, <laughs> that's that's scary. Uh, when a man like Nubia applied for a position in the crew, an officer had him climb to the top of the main mast, pointing out at the sea. He might have to climb it while it was swinging wildly from the wind. For many applicants, this was enough. They were never seen again. So if you couldn't climb to the top of the main mast, uh, you couldn't. That was the beginning of your job interview. I guess they wouldn't even bother to talk to you otherwise. Man. <laughs> Step one, find, be able to do that. Yes, climb to the top. Climb to the top. I guess that's the hardest thing, and everything is easier from there. Right? That's true. Yeah. Probably. It's all, yeah. Just eating beans, uh, drinking. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> wooing mermaids, singing, sa- singing sailor songs, <laughs> yeah, g- getting scurvy, getting scurvy. <laughs> Chew on this line. We won't be in port for eighty-five days. <laughs> what a life! Let's let's do it. Oh, you're sick. Suck it up, Rook. Oh, <laughs> making knots. <laughs> so uh, after that, the ship was after it did its its last green. Uh, race right before World War II. It was seized by the Germans in 1940, and she was returned to Christenland, Norway, uh, where she was derigged step by step. That means, I guess, they took off her sails and all of the the buckles and the pulleys and the ropes that otherwise would have allowed her to sail. She was demasted, and, salv- and a salvaging company uh, by a salvaging company to be re-erected, stabilized, and towed to Bergen in July 1948. Uh, the ship's main hole was sold to Trigav, some place in Oslo. A few months later, the ship was transferred to Sweden uh, to be uh, used as a, a grain store in Stockholm from 1948 to 1952. Then she was sold to the German shipowner Heinz Schleiwin, who put her back into use under the name Oplag as a merchant marine training ship carrying cargo. Instead, uh, that never materialized, and instead she was moved to Stockholm and again was used as a floating warehouse from 1953 until 1961. A floating warehouse. I like yes. that. Yes. <laughs> I, 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 I tried to look up more. Like, was this like, is this something common that they do um, in, you know, in that area of Europe where they have access to the sea like that? Yeah. But uh, I, I couldn't. I mean, I couldn't find any kind of like specific reasoning for it, but it does happen. It, so it, it wasn't necessarily unique, but I don't know why they didn't, why it was deemed better to put it out to sea like that and store it that way than to build a warehouse or something. Weird. Maybe maybe someone can tell us. So uh, that's when the Finnish government uh, bought the ship for 3,200 tons of Russian rye, and she continued to be used as a grain warehouse. So I don't know what 36,000, or we found out what 36,000 pounds were in today's dollars, but uh, what do you think 3,200 tons of Russian rye uh, equates to in today's uh, American dollars, <laughs> like a Russia. like a like a Tesla. Ten years after that, in 1970, the Walt Disney Company bought the ship, but soon transferred it to the American Specialty oh, wow. Restaurants Corporation. Yeah, they owned it for a minute. They owned it, and they were like, "Let's turn this into a restaurant." And they were like, "This is too much work." And they they sold it immediately to the Specialty Restaurant Corporation. Uh, which uh, specialized in turning weird places into restaurants. That's funny. It wasn't Disney going to have something in Center City for like yeah, the longest yeah. time Di- too, and it Di- never wasn't anything. Disney, <laughs> Disney Quest, Quest, I think. Yeah, yeah. Yo, That's why there's Beerman a parking I... lot on Eighth Street, Eighth and yeah. Market. 
Beerman and I watched a really cool uh, episode of Defunct Land that went through uh, the history of Disney Quest, and it specifically mentions the horrible planning that went to the, yeah. the Philadelphia Disney Quest. <laughs> 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 and how it never materialized. So they, uh, they rigged her out in the Netherlands, the American uh, restaurant, uh, specialty restaurant corporation, rigged uh, the Mushaloo out in the Netherlands with a pony mast, uh, yards and lines, and towed her to the South Street Seaport in New York City. The United States Coast Guard, 3rd District. <laughs> I listened to that episode of Swerve. Legends of New York. <laughs> uh, the, well, she sailed. She was, so I couldn't find out, uh, but it looks like she was rigged up. Um, oh, yeah, with phony masts, yards. Yeah, okay. So uh, she was, she's, not, she's not necessarily seaworthy. She just floats. So the masts and, and the, the, the rigging lines and all are just for show. They're props. And so she was, she was towed uh, across the Atlantic, uh, past New York, uh, uh, past the Statue of Liberty, through uh, the Hudson, uh, into the South Street Seaport in New York. Uh, the United States Coast Guard 3rd District Band rode on the Mushaloo as she was towed from Brooklyn uh, to the museum, and played for the arrival ceremony on the Manhattan side of the river. She was later towed to Penn's Landing Waterfront in Center City, Philadelphia, and I could find uh, no real reason why. Uh, maybe <laughs> it was too expensive to keep it in New York. Uh, I, there, there's nothing on the official Mushaloo page. There's nothing on the, the Wikipedia page. There's no article Ooh, about it. Being maybe, like, maybe she was kicked out of New York for something. Maybe. And, and they're trying to keep it quiet. we got to investigate. What is the bottom of this? <laughs> I tried. I, I did a Google. I even went to page two. And oh, nothing. wow. Well, the, the, then nobody knows. Then Nobody knows. Nobody knows. It's a mystery. <laughs> and, we'll, and we'll never know. I looked up this, but not the words about sailing. I didn't understand. <laughs> Who cares? <laughs> well, I'll probably never get on a boat now. I'll probably never get on a windjammer and go sailing. So. Yeah, that's the, the last windjammer. The last windjammer. <laughs> windjammer. <laughs> So uh, most people know the Mushaloo because it was in the movies. Uh, you can see it in Rocky, shown during one of Rocky's workout sessions along the waterfront. I'm pretty sure it's Rocky 1. Uh, he's running uh, along Delaware Avenue, and you can see there's nothing other than the Mushaloo. It just looks like a boat parked in the river. But uh, it was already outfitted to be a restaurant at that point. It opened soon after that footage was shot. And it was in The Godfather Part 2. Yeah, uh, that's, seen that's as, how I know it. Famous. Yeah. Seen as the young Corleone uh, arrives in America in 1901, which was actually three years before the Mushaloo was built in real life. Uh, but I guess they, they need, just needed something period appropriate or whatever. Uh, as well uh, as the end scene in the movie Blowout, uh, which I have referenced uh, before in <laughs> our, <laughs> our least popular episode, The Philadelphia Experiment. But uh, the, the Blowout, classic Philadelphia film starring John Travolta. People should check it out. Also, uh, was... our... our, our uh, uh, a cult classic, our episode of uh, Legends of Philadelphia. Oh, about yeah. the sure. I was going to say, do you think Robert <laughs> Evans set, insisted on having the Mushaloo in the movie? Well, I, you know what I think? Uh, <laughs> because I'm a huge, Trove and I are huge fans of the Godfather. And uh, in Godfather 1 and Godfather 2, uh, there's a lot of archival footage. But the archival footage in Godfather 1 is old and grainy and doesn't match the film stock of the, uh, of the, the movie Godfather 1. So Godfather 2 comes along, and it seems that the Mushaloo was being towed into New York during the making of the film uh, Godfather 2. So I think it was just a, a, a case of he had plenty of footage available of this period-appropriate boat being Good towed. Enough. Yeah, in front of, and it's and well, I went back I, and I, I'm sure like uh, what's his name? Uh, the director probably said he wanted something better, and Robert Evans was like, no. 
<laughs> well, you know what's really Coppola. funny? I had I never Coppola. watched it with this in mind. I never watched it with this in mind, but I went and I played the the I watched the video on YouTube of just that scene. Yeah. And it cuts to the Mushaloo, the Mushaloo sailing in front of the uh, the Statue of Liberty, and then it cuts it cuts to a reaction shot of Vito Corleone, little Vito Corleone on the on yeah. the Mushaloo, and he's surrounded by like you know. Uh, uh, huddled masses yearning to breathe free. They fill the whole frame, uh-huh. and then it cuts back to the Mushaloo for the for the you know to POV shot. They're looking at the um, they're Statue looking at the uh, Statue of Liberty, and there's nobody on the deck. <laughs> so you think it was so, just stock footage? Yeah, I think it was just uh, stock footage from the yeah because he corner. he did it. Coppola did it in the first movie. He did it um, when when they're uh, there's the part in the first movie where they're talking about um, going to the mattresses, and it's voiceover. Uh, it's Clemenza's voiceover oh, right. of a car it's driving through like Times Square and stuff. Right, right, right. It's just like, and it's like grainy because it's it's blown up to match the film stock that Godfather is shot on. Oh, all right. Yeah, I know we haven't talked about this in a while, but um, <laughs> a favorite subject. Um, so you're saying this movie is basically unwatchable because of this? Is what you're saying? No, I find it. It's even better. It's look out for it on your next rewatching of this three-hour epic movie. Yeah. <laughs> um. So that I, I guess that's. I mean that, and that's the Mushaloo. That's the Mushaloo. Uh, and now it's you can eat shrimp out of it. Uh, it's great shrimp too. Great shrimp. Yeah. Great shrimp. Um, I got married there. It was great. It's beautiful. It's all, pardon the pun, decked out. Uh, they just uh, they they just redid the bar and uh, uh, you you know if in better times you could go there all summer for parties on the uh, on the deck uh, where they would do like you know uh, club style nights and uh, then they do like theme nights where it's like 1920s and stuff like that. But um, <laughs> all right, let's go. Yeah, pick me up. Maybe someday. Oh. But, let's um, do it. Let's do it. <laughs> maybe I get may I get invited to a wedding there or something one day maybe. Maybe, maybe someday. Maybe, uh, maybe. Well, I'm already married. Do, do you it's have friends late. outside of work, Beerman? No. Oh. <laughs> and I, I don't even know if we're friends. So yeah. appara- apparently, I just will clean up after your dogs. <laughs> Got any more moose loose stories? <laughs> Let me think. I went there a bunch of times. The whole process was nuts. I'm trying to think if they told me anything that was. Did you uh, eat there wasn't before, it a Nazi uh, boat? Wasn't that also a Nazi? Well, yeah, that was the Nazis. The Germans, the Germ. Well, that was in there. The Germans confiscated it, but they just used it for storage. It just it was that was when it was returned to Christianland. Uh, The Germans had it in 1940, uh, and she was derigged step by step over the course of the 40s. Uh, And then in 1947, she was uh, demasted by the salvaging company to be re-erected, stabilized, and towed to Bergen. I guess I, I really, I, like I said, I got married on the Mushaloo. Uh, my uh, my wife and I went and uh, visited it as a backup location. We went to a, th- they went to a different windjammer. And they were we went to like, a- this was our backup <laughs> windjammer. The other one turned out to be a my, clipper uh, ship. It was a lie. Sa- uh, uh, our safety windjammer. Well, um, we turned out to like it more than the first place that we went to. and uh, And so we... We uh, inquired about uh, dates, and my wife was really dead set on the the date for our wedding. It has significance in her family, but it's off season. Six six six. I thought the it old was... six six six. <laughs> <laughs> the sixty sixth day of June. <laughs> <laughs> it's always a full moon. <laughs> but she, she uh, so it was a it was a family thing or whatever, and they accommodated us. It was definitely off season, and it was it was cold out. 
Um, and uh, we got we got lucky uh, to reference the Poor Richard's Almanac. We uh, we consulted it in <laughs> advance, and it said it would be like 50 degrees that day, and it was. It was like 52, 55 degrees that day. We really lucked out. And uh, while you're there for an event like this, they they give you access to all these places that you wouldn't normally get into if you were just going there to the restaurant. So while I was uh, when I first get there for the ceremony. Um, I go to the captain's quarters, which is now like a little like that's ready where they room. keep the, the mermaids. That yep, that's where they're all waiting for you. <laughs> Your last chance. You sure you want to get married? You sure? You can get a wish. <laughs> they lure yeah, you into the, the sea. That's where the sirens yeah. live. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, which is cool. It's like a little room on the uh, just below deck. Uh, not a little room, but it's a it's a big room just below deck. And uh, you know they have it they have it set up with a uh, uh, nautical modern nautical merch or whatever or, or fixtures or whatever. Uh, so that's pretty cool. Um, but it's uh, it's the the captain's table at the front of the or the back of the boat. The back of the boat uh, that was really interesting. When I was waiting, so they send you somewhere to wait before you, you know, come up for the ceremony. And while I was waiting there, Trove and my brother and Trove's wife, we all hung out and in the captain's quarters, which is this big, or not the captain's quarters, the captain's table, which is this, uh, big, uh, uh, dining area at the back of the boat, which exists as it did back in the day where the captain would eat with his senior officers or his crew members, uh, um, and they would socialize there. And uh, it has um, a lot of the original fixtures that were part of the boat are still there, and uh, they actually turned one of the walls into like a glass plexiglass wall, so you could see some of the anchor rigging as well, which was really neat. Mm. I think it was haunted. I thought that's that's where that was going. No, no, I don't. I don't know anything about it being haunted. I didn't see just any ghosts. Make up Did you see any ghosts? We gotta kill sometime. Just make up. <laughs> okay. The ghost of of Captain Sturgeon. <laughs> <laughs> Still haunts, <laughs> still haunts the rear decks to this day. I like that word is eventually just going to be like, I don't know. Yeah, it's it, this one, believe it or not, this one's also haunted. Like, we're just going to start <laughs> making stuff. disappears and, and reappears. And, and yeah, we're just, we're just making, making stuff up soon. <laughs> Watch our rating shoot through the roof, though. I know, this becomes a ghost podcast. <laughs> believe it or we're not. Ghost hunters now. Can you believe it? Haunted. Also haunted. Is haunted. All, All these haunted. episodes are about boats on the Delaware and uh, haunted boat, know. haunted boats. Well, this started out. This started out. It was I mean, we were going to real quickly do three boats, but it turned into um, there's too much, dude. There's too much. Too much to talk about. It's too interesting. <laughs> <laughs> I think we bullshitted a lot. <laughs> so much. <laughs> so much to talk about. So much Mushaloo to get into. Well, I, I, well that is it for the You even tell us about the poop deck. Yeah. We're still waiting. It was there. And it was fine. It was, and I was, I, was, I was also haunted. Also haunted. It was also haunted. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, I guess we're going to have to split it into a two-parter. Uh, in our next, uh, in our next uh, episode, we'll continue this trend of stationary vessels on the, of the Delaware <laughs> River that may or may not be haunted. We're going to talk about the uh, US uh, or the SS United States and um and a special treat uh we're going to talk about the Hooters boat. Whoa. Yeah. <laughs> we don't no- we don't normally I mean it's not it's not necessarily a Philadelphia landmark and it's not there anymore but uh but it's f- got a very storied history <laughs> so we're uh we're going to include it. So uh come back next was, week uh, and we'll <laughs> What was that? It was also owned by Nazis. 
<laughs> All boats are haunted and owned by Nazis at some point. All right. So um, that's pretty much all there is to know about uh, the Mushaloo. Uh, please check out our website, www.southfellini.com. That's S-O-U-T-H-F-E-L-L-I-N-I.com for cool Philly-inspired merch. While you're there, check out the visual companion for this episode where we've posted some historic photos of the Mushaloo um, and some of the things and rooms we talked about. Um, thanks for listening. Make sure you look out for us every Monday. Stay safe, wash your hands, and wear a mask. You say you're going to spice up the outro. I changed it to wear a mask. Do it, do it faster and sexier. <laughs> Goodbye, everybody. Bye. everybody. Bye. Bye.